From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Chief executive officers have a lot in common with coaches. Both plan strategies, make decisions, and instruct, motivate, and organize groups of people. They're leaders in their communities. Today, I'm talking about leadership with Syracuse University head football coach Dino Babers and Upstate University Hospital CEO Dr. Robert Corona. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's start by talking about your missions, because I want to ask you how, as leaders, you inspire individuals to commit to the particular mission that you've, for your institution. Well, I'll start. Um, our mission is family. What we're trying to take is a bunch of young men from different backgrounds and bond them with a common bond, which, and sometimes that's very difficult. But everybody understands the bond of family whether it's been extremely positive for them or maybe not so positive for them. And we try to take that bond and weave it through the entire fiber of everything we do. The end result, we hope, will make the young men better fathers, better sons, and better husbands, which is the goal that we have for all the individuals that are in our family. Now, you being the head football coach, I thought you would say something that, like your mission was to win football games, but you're focused more on developing these men into adult you you know this this is this is how i look about the winning part of it i have to win so that i can stay on my mission of staying in front of these young men if i don't win then they don't give me the opportunity to stay in front of these young men and i'm really serious about the mission and and making sure that they are better fathers better sons and better husbands and because of that it keeps me focused on the other thing which is winning <laughs> So let's talk about the mission of the hospital in the community. So the hospital has a few missions. The main one is um, we have to care for the sick and keep people well. But um, we're, a, we're a team. And so I was, I was impressed with Coach Babers um, a while ago when he was interviewed and asked about the performance of an individual. And he said, I don't, I don't make comments on performance of individuals because we're a family, we're a team, and if one person is not having a good game, the whole team's not having a good game. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing mm -hmm. for you. But it's the same thing at our hospital. I mean, I'll get letters that such and such a nurse was not good or such and such a doctor was not bad. That's, that's a fault of our system, of our team. And so we're not gonna call out individuals unless their behavior is egregious. Um, and so our mission is to uh, demonstrate leadership in this community in keeping people well, and when they do become sick, trying to make the best of the situation so they get better. Well, each of you, as part of your role as leaders, you're creating an experience both for the uh, people that you coach and lead, but also for the people that you serve, the fans and the patients. So how do you go about creating an experience that will be positive for both? How do you serve both audiences? I think it's really important to try to find a way to get the community or the student body and the administration to embrace what you're doing. And uh, there's a lot of ways that we could do our job. And when I say our job off the football field, obviously that's academics and, and making sure socially that these guys are doing the right things. But on the football field, we choose to do it a certain style. And uh, our style on special teams is to be super uh, aggressive. Our style on defense is to be very disciplined, although sometimes that doesn't show through. Our style offensively 
is to not to huddle and to do it as fast as possible to allow the the to allow the people who are enjoying the game to see something different than they, than they've seen before and maybe that because it is different they'll bring their sons and their daughters and and their neighbors to come watch because I think even though you're trying to win a football game you can also make it entertaining because entertainment dollars are are precious where they can come and enjoy something in the community, which is the uh, local football team. So we have, um, you know, you think about it, we have uh, the idea that patients come first, and they're usually um, in pain when they come to a hospital, at least not into our outreach clinics where they're maybe maintaining their health. And I, I often say we want to put the hospitality back in the hospital. So we're caring for people who are in extreme have extreme anxiety and their families are anxious too. So we have to take patients first and try to meet their needs. And then sometimes we even have to think about patients second and our employees first. And if our employees are happy and feeling valued and trusted, then they relate that to the patients that they're caring for. Let me ask you what you seek to achieve as a leader. Um, Coach Babers, where do you get your inspiration? You know, there's no doubt that I have a spiritual side, but, you know, my dad was military. I was raised a military brat, military bases all across the country, uh, 60s and 70s, and and saw a lot of stuff that was uh, unique to those times. And I always, I've, I've been a strong believer that you can learn something from something extremely positive, and you can learn something from something extremely negative. You take the positive out of the positive, and you Obviously, you put the shield up on the negative, but you still watch, and you can learn from that. And I think that those experiences are some of the things that, some of the things that you want to share with the members of our family, and some of the things that you want to tell them about and keep them shielded from. But uh, but you still let them know that these things happen. And so Dr. It's, it's interesting that Coach Babers mentioned his dad. So my dad was a football coach, and um, I had great inspiration from him and saw how he managed a team and people have said to me you manage the hospital like a coach manages a team I feel coaches really connect in with the emotional piece of individuals and and a lot of decisions uh, that are made in a hospital because it's a high intensity uh, an emotional uh, institution and arena um, it's it's important for a leader to connect to that emotional part of an individual and and that creates a better team so every uh, person that's been an inspiration to me has largely been a coach Um, and I feel like people relate better when they feel part of a team and they don't want to let their team down that's one of the most embarrassing things for an individual is not to screw up but is to let let their teammate down I'd like to talk about your role as mentors, because as leaders, you're mentors. Can you tell me about mentors you had coming up and what you might have learned from them that you want to pass on to the people that you mentor? Uh, in the last year, I've lost, uh, I've lost three really dear friends to me in 2019. Uh, Bob Spoo was, uh, was my first, was the first person that gave me my first full-time job as a coach. He passed away he passed away in October of, of 2019. And then uh, the person that motivated me the, the most in high school to become a coach, 
whose dad was a coach at Florida State, uh, Brian Bankston, passed away in February of 2019. And then my collegiate coach, who really, uh, really kind of gave me the blueprint for how I do things, passed away because I, I flew out to see him. I got to get my days right. He passed away on a Friday. I saw him six days before he passed away. And it was, I believe it was one day before Easter or two days before Easter. Um, was, was he ill? Did you he know was he ill, was... passed away of cancer. But the, these young men, these men were very influential in uh, driving me and, and shaping me and putting hands on me and, and, and like the potter sh- shaping something out of clay. They, they really made an imprint on me. And to lose all three of them within a calendar year was very, uh, very emotional, but it also cleared, clarified a lot of things that you want to make sure that you're still doing things the way they were doing it. You want to make sure that you're still doing things the right way because you saw three fantastic men leave us in the last year and to see how they were renowned and how people cherished their time with them was uh, something special that keeps you on the right track and the right road. And it sounds like you keep them with you even now. They're they're overhead judging me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Corona. So I had two two family members, and I I would say three three out uh, individuals outside of the family. So my dad, who I mentioned, who was a coach and a teacher, and uh, uh, he passed away from lung cancer after a diagnosis in two months. And then um, I had a grandfather who came over from Italy and had to drop out of school in eighth grade, started business, and. Um, and kind of showed me what it meant to take care of people in his business. But then uh, later in my life, I was fortunate to have a person here at Upstate who trained me, George Collins, who was my fellowship director in uh, neuropathology. Uh, Unfortunately, he passed away of lung cancer. But um, I remember he was really busting my chops toward the end of my fellowship, and I couldn't understand why he was being so hard on me. And another uh, colleague said, he's testing your mettle because when you leave here people are going to say he was trained by George Collins and the individual that told me that unfortunately retired this past year and passed away two weeks after his retirement and there were two other uh, individuals um, Judd Gostin who people may know from the area who started Census Corporation he was a an executive with GE and he was told to fire his team and he refused to fire his team, so he took his team and he created his own company, which ended up being a successful company here in Syracuse that got sold to Saab Aerospace. Hmm. And then uh, Bill Allen, who uh, is the grandson of the founder of Welsh Allen, who I worked for for 16 years, uh, he's just been a wonderful mentor. He's still alive and still uh, interested in, in uh, innovation and great things. These people have been wonderful to me, and they keep giving me opportunity to improve and now I feel like I'm in a position to give back. So there's a, a bunch of minority students here who uh, have come and been CEO of the day with me, and they, they've not seen role models in their uh, race or gender, and they've had an opportunity, and that's a real charge for me. I've had uh, several of them uh, continue to say, they've come from inner city down in New York and so on, and they said, I always wanted to go back to New York and serve my community. 
But now I see the same problems exist in Syracuse, and I want to stay here and serve this community, which has been a real kick for me. Interesting. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Upstate University Hospital CEO, Dr. Bob Corona, and Syracuse University head football coach, Dino Babers, and we're talking about leadership. I want to ask both of you if you feel the weight of leading a big institution that each of you are leading um, that has a lot of influence in the community. Do you? We're going to switch the order now. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Corona, you get to go first. Yeah, I... I, you know, I talked about this earlier. Um, I don't think I quite have the weight that Coach Babers does because so many people are just crazy about our football team. I think maybe in certain areas where people see uh, me in the healthcare arena, they may, you know, be looking at what I do and what I say. So I'm conscious of that. Um, I'm not bothered at all in restaurants or you know in the mall where I'm sure you are. But um, I watch what I say more carefully now because I know it can hurt people's feelings if I'm joking and if they don't think it's funny. I remember I, I, I had a button on once that said, uh, we have always done it this way, and I put a, uh, you know, a, a red cross on it. And I didn't realize it offended people that said, well, what do you mean what I've been doing for the last 30 years has been wrong? And the intent was not to say that. The intent was that we're going to try to improve things. So I would say that but I, I don't feel it's a tremendous I don't feel it's a tremendous burden I think it's um, to have this kind of authority and power I think it reveals your true self and uh, you you really need to be respectful of what you do with that kind of authority my favorite word in the dictionary is faith my second favorite word is humble my third word is meek and those three words have a lot of meaning for me I I truly enjoy people which is a positive and a negative. I, people can stop me, and I, if I have the time, I will stop and give them the time. If I don't have the time, I'll stop anyway and then let them know that I really have no time, that I have to apologize and keep moving. So even though I, I have a lot of interaction with a lot of people, uh, it's really my nature. So it's, it's not as uh, much as a burden as some people might think it is. Now, I, my stress comes from how many people I have, in a sense, working for me or is tied to what I do, and, and being successful allows them to provide for their families. And that's where my stress comes from. And it, it's almost to say this, my family's going to get mad. I don't even think about my family. I think about others' people, families, and, and being successful so they can continue and stay and kids don't change high schools and the stadium stays packed so no one gets laid off because uh, you know there's not enough people attending football games and and it's things like that that really does go to bed with me there's a it's a burden that I carry and uh, it's really important for me to make sure that I do well for them that's a lot to carry. And uh, I mean, keeping a hospital operating and, and doing well, that's a lot of weight to carry. I want to ask you how you deal with stress and how do you yourselves prevent burnout from that? I, I get up early and um, I try to do a little bit of meditation and praying. And then I have to exercise. My wife will tell you, are, she go, are you going downstairs to work out? Because she wants to make sure I burn off that steam. 
and I get my workout in in the morning. Um, I bring my dogs down with me when I work out, and so it's kind of neat. I have my dogs and and my workout, and then um, I listen to music, uh, and that that's probably the primary way. And then before I go to bed, I try to pray a little bit, uh, meditate a little bit, and then uh, and then my monkey brain starts going crazy. And it's really just hard to calm that down. I mean, thoughts are running through my head. And people will tell me that, um, well, you texted me at 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, I, I, I have to do that to kind of let it off, and then I can fall back to sleep. I cannot believe how similar we are. This is absolutely amazing. I, uh, I'm going to start with the night part. I, I try really hard to be in bed by 9.30. That doesn't mean I'm going to be asleep by 9.30. But I'm literally, if it's 926, 927 military style, I am moving towards the bedroom if I'm not there to be in bed by 930. Now, I'll fall asleep when I fall asleep because I have a lot of things going on in my head. I don't really sleep that well. I can average somewhere between two and a half and six and a half hours a night. And when I wake up, I've got all kinds of stuff going on in my head. And my team realizes that I will send them messages in the middle of the morning because if I if I try to hold on to it, I might lose it. You can say, oh, you can write it down. Well, you know, I'm going to send them a message. And what I tell them is turn your phones off. You know I'm going to get messages from you. Turn it off. I'm going to send them to you. And when you wake up, it's going to be a fresh list of things that we have to get done that day. And this is numerous people. This is not just one person. But uh, when I do get up or when I finally decide I'm going to leave the bed, I'm going to get up. I'm going to, I'm going to do some spiritual reading by myself. Uh, use some time to reflect, pray. And now here's another thing. If it's really early enough, which it normally is, there's nothing cooler than me. Then watching a sunrise or watching, just watching it, it's starting to break, dawn is starting to break, and and just taking that in. And there's, I've got a picture, i got to send you a picture, remind me to send you a picture. I've got a picture out of my backyard that happened about three or four months ago that is absolutely unbelievable. And just being thankful that you're starting a new day and, and stopping to smell the roses a little bit before you put in a full day's work and uh and i just like you like i can go anywhere from six seven in the morning to nine ten eleven at night if you're still working i say i try to get to bed at 9 30 but there's sometimes you're just working past that time yeah yeah do you have any tricks that you use to keep yourself focused on the job coach babers i imagine you know you on the sidelines how do you block stuff out that you don't need at the moment i really look at football as a chess game that's that's what I, I play checkers. We all play checkers, but, you know, some people play chess. But every day I go to practice, my job is to make sure that the knight knows how to move like a knight and the bishop knows how to move like a bishop and the pawn knows how to move like a pawn. And I'm really focused on making sure that all members of the family knows their jobs. And if all those pieces on the chessboard know how they're supposed to move, then when you go to the game on Saturday, you can play chess. But if you get one of them that doesn't know they're supposed to move in an L, two spaces, and then one, or that as a bishop, they're not supposed to go across as a diagonal, 
or a pond that can't take that piece because it's not at the right angle, then you start to have chaos. And to me, the clarity of a really good football game starts at practice. And that practice starts not in November, October, September, August. It starts in February and March and April and the summer. And that's what gets me going. That's what's really exciting to me is the preparation. Good advice. Dr. Corona? I, I, uh, I learned something uh, when I was 19. Um, I really wanted to learn to fly. So um, I started to uh, take lessons and learn to fly. And um, at about seven hours in the air, the instructor asked me to pull the plane over and said, I'm, I'm getting out. You're ready. And I said, I'm not ready. And this is the way they do it. I guess they don't tell you because you'd be so anxious. And this is, you're going to solo. And so I can remember taking that little single engine plane, taking off and realizing that I'm in the air now and I'm the only one that's going to get myself on the ground alive. And that made me kind of focus on having a, a dashboard or a cockpit and just be laser-like and understanding your navigation system, your altitude, your speed, your airspeed, and so on. And I've kind of carried that into healthcare where I use checklists and kind of a dashboard for what I do on a day-to-day -day so I can check all the parameters. And we've created these, these dashboards. I have our information technology, and if you come over to the uh, administrative suite, we have a live dashboard of who's in the emergency room, how many patients are waiting for beds, what's going on in the OR, our quality measures, and it's live, it's dynamic. And uh, we can anticipate certain things, we can infer certain things from the data, and then I always try to use checklists because the mind is not that good at remembering detail, right? So I, I use my phone checklist and, and uh, that's, that's what keeps me focused because I'm like coach here, uh, you know, I call it a monkey brain. My brain's like flying all over the place all the time. Exactly the same. Well, very good advice. Thank you both. Thank you to Dr. Robert Corona, the CEO of Upstate University Hospital, and to Dino Babers, the head football coach at Syracuse University. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.